Okay, let's start our interview. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So good afternoon everyone who is connected who is watching this this interview. I'm brother Fabio from Ministry uh, Abel. We are from Agap Church. This ministry is ministry uh, is a bilingual ministry. We, we this 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 moment is we call Abel Talks is the first Abel Talks. So our ob objective is to connect nations. So that's uh, 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 today we're gathered to uh, talk to a sister. She she born in London uh, and now she is living in Valencia, Spain. And we are online to talk about uh, her life, talk about her ministry, and to uh, understand how uh, how. Uh, to understand a little bit, a bit from her her culture, in in, in even in London, but today in in Valence, mm -hmm. in Valencia, in Spain. So, uh, thank you for accepting the, the invitation, Tamara. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm going to start asking. Uh, you can. Uh, you you told me to. So we're in Valencia, Spain. Yes. So uh, when you, when do you do you go to to, to Spain? Uh, That's a lot yeah, of years. I, I moved to Spain in 2009. So 2009. 11, 12. Don't do the math. 12, 12, 12 years. Almost. Yeah, but I went. I moved to Madrid, not to Valencia. I went to Madrid first. I was there for seven years, and then we moved to Valencia in uh, 2016, five years ago. We're talking a uh, few few days here. You said that uh, your father's uh, uh, still in your family is still in London, in England. Yes, yes. My my family. Well, my parents are still in England. Um, my sister has a, a traveler's heart, I think, like me, <laughs> and so um, she is between Portugal and Miami at the moment. <laughs> so um, yeah, she's been living in Portugal for the last half a year. Uh, right now, she's working in Miami, and then she's she's coming back to Portugal. But my parents, um, my mother is originally from Sri Lanka. So I think this sort of international, and we moved a lot when I was young. We lived, uh, my parents moved a lot before I was born. And then uh, we lived in Paris for a while and in the Middle East. And then um, back to England, we traveled a lot as a family. So I think I never had this idea that I would live in England for the rest of my life because I saw so much of the world and it started this um, seed of, <laughs> of adventure, I guess, in me. To continue, so. Uh, uh, sorry, Fabio, can I can I can I speak a little? Tamara, yes. I understood you. I understood you very well because mm -hmm. we always are talking. But some people here in this meeting, I think if you speak a little slowly, yeah. because your your accent is very good to understand, but you speak a little. You are, are speaking faster. Yes, if you can speak a little quickly to everybody understand you. Okay, thank you. I'll bring the the, <laughs> the <heat> down. <laughs> Talk slowly. I will. I will. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, no problem. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I we, we don't. I don't. I just know England and London by. By the movies, and one other thing I was, and I, I and I, we want to ask you is about. Uh, have you ever saw the, the Queen? Yes, <laughs> I love the oh. family. Oh, you mean the the real Queen or the Netflix series? The the oh no, it's called the Crown. It's not the Queen. Sorry, sorry. The real, the real, the real family. No, the real one. I, I haven't, but my mother has seen her because um, my mother has two sisters living in Australia 
and when one came to visit England, she was desperate to see the Queen. And <laughs> <laughs> because for tourists, this is a really big thing. I think when you live in England or in the UK, you don't think so much about this royal family, the monarchy in general. Um, so my aunt was desperate to see the Queen and they were doing this uh, parade, uh, I think, something like that. And so my mother took my auntie to London to stand on the street with thousands of people to watch the Queen come. <laughs> and she was so happy just to take her photo from really a long distance away. <laughs> It was just the best thing for her. Um, but I have not personally seen the Queen, no. <laughs> nice. Uh, in, in, in England, we, we, we heard that the, the, you have a, the culture to take uh, afternoon tea. That mm -hmm. You do that? How, how is this, this costume for you? <laughs> well, um, a cup of tea, definitely. Um, there is this this typical English afternoon tea that, again, if you go to England, in most places you can find a cafe that does this typical uh, English tea. Um, the most typical thing is, um, it's called a scone. It's like this, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a kind of sweet bread and then you put this cream and jam on it and this with a cup of tea is the most typical uh, British afternoon tea but typical families will not have this every day um, it's like a it's more of a special thing and especially in my family because we are not a typical typical British family um, we would have, you know, an afternoon snack when you're a kid and you come home from school, you know, everybody has this afternoon snack, but not the typical British tea. Um, but it's a very special thing. You can go to places to have afternoon tea and they, they make also these little sandwiches and they put it on this, um, like a stand with these different levels and they put like sandwiches on one level and then cakes on another level. and. Again, for tourists, it's like a special thing that you have to do one time, you know, when you come. So, yeah, it's the afternoon tea is is very English. <laughs> very English. Yeah. We see that a lot in the in the movies. And there's a, 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 a specific time for this afternoon tea. It would probably be around three or four p.m. because in England, you know, our meal times are very early. Well, I don't know what it's like in Brazil, but maybe it's more similar to Spain in Brazil. The, no? Or you eat early, like the States? Well, Spain is, uh, is later. I, when, Spain, when I went to Spain, they, they ate later uh, than we eat here in Brazil. So, I don't know. So, so what is a typical Brazilian dinner time? dinner time yeah i think 7 p.m fabio 7 6 p.m yeah, yeah 7, i think 7, 7 p.m so this is like on, on the family routine yeah exactly yeah, no but when the people uh work or stay at night yeah sometimes in brazil the people have dinner later like 9 or 10 sometimes okay yeah so this is this, if it's six or seven, this is more like England. So because in England, people would have dinner around this time. Um, and sometimes for very young children, they would eat dinner as early as 5 p.m. So that the children are sleeping by 7 p.m. So, so the afternoon tea is usually around three or four if they're gonna do tea. Uh, uh, this makes me, it, remind, it reminds me of a video I watched with my students about uh, a routine in a school in England. 
Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, teacher, how can they have dinner at five? At five, uh, I'm at school. Because sometimes some schools here go to 6 p.m., 5.30. And they it was like really nice for them, you know? And they were like, wow, five is like snack time for for us here. Mm-hmm. Really, it's nice that this difference is nice. Yeah. It's so early. Sometimes if I'm talking to my friends back in England, um, for me, it's early afternoon. If we talk at 4.30, this is still early afternoon for us. And my friend is starting to make the dinner for her kids at 4.30 in the afternoon because at 5, they're going to have dinner. And it's just, it's so strange because here in Spain, sorry, I'm speaking fast. Here in Spain, also kids come out of school late at 5 p.m. usually a lot of kids come out of school so it's 5 p.m. here is your afternoon tea time in Spain and that, that's true that they said in, in England uh, they are uh, in time always about the, 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 the commitment the, the, the meetings are always in time because we, yes. we used to say that uh, uh, we're, in, we're in time like in England. <laughs> on time, you mean punctuality, yeah? Punctuality, yeah. yes. Punctuality, yes. In England, uh, we are more like the Northern Europeans in the sense that on the dot, <laughs> on the if it's five o'clock, it's five o'clock. On the dot. Um, on the dot, exactly. Um, I think living in Spain, I have become very relaxed with this time, which I I don't like. <laughs> but um, yes, punctuality is very important. I think now, if I move back to England, I would have to change this mentality because you cannot. Uh, turn up five, ten minutes late for church, for example. A church meeting in England, if it's at 11, will start at 11. Here, today, for example, at 11.15, oh, let's wait for some more people to come. And it's so relaxed, which is nice if that's your culture and you're accustomed to this. But for somebody who is from England or from Germany or from Holland, this is, it's rude, you know, you, you, yeah. I've become very relaxed. Um, although I have to say that my husband is Spanish, but he is very, very punctual. And, and so it's almost a reverse culture thing because he has to arrive early for everything, um, which is not typical in Spain. So I have this middle, I'm in this middle ground, I think now. <laughs> Tamara, can I can I can I speak one thing, Fabio, about time? Go on. When I when I went to Spain, uh, I it, for me it it was weird because in the church or in the in the in the houses the the time is crazy. You don't know the time to to eat, <laughs> yeah. the time to start the things in the church, the time to finish. No, they don't have time. No. Uh, it's specifically time. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here in Brazil, sometimes we uh, parts of Brazil, but. Uh, there is a lot of people that like punctuality, mm. like it. But in uh, Rio de Janeiro, sometimes not, the people are more relaxed. But uh, Sao Paulo here in Spain is a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, and it also shows, I think, in people's commitment because, for example, in England, I say I think the British people are very committed to something. If they say I'm going to do this or I'm going to be there, you know that they will be there or that they will do whatever they have agreed to. Culture is that until the last minute, you're not really sure if the person will be there 
or if they'll arrive because they can change the plan at the last minute, they can cancel at the last minute. And at first, again, I found this really rude. I thought if you have a commitment, then you are there, <laughs> you know? But I learned, I had to realize for them, this is not rude. This is just, they are so flexible and so free. Um, but, you know, in a working context, for example, it's difficult if you're a teacher like Aline, my first year teaching, I would have students cancel maybe one hour before the class. And it didn't, it, it ruined my whole afternoon because if I had known this before, I could plan my time differently. And, you know, in England, if you're going to cancel a class, it has to be 24 hours or more before. If not, you, you have to pay for the class. But here it's like, oh, I don't feel like class today. Or, oh, something has come up. I'm just going to cancel. And so this mentality of commitment is, is very different here as well. And it has to do with time, I think. And, and Tamara, how is it for you to change this mentality from England to when you, when you, you change your, your family to, to Spain? It's, it's been a, a journey. Um, and a process that I think I will never be fully Spanish in my mentality because there are a lot of things that are still very British in me. But I had these different stages because when I moved to Madrid, I was single, I didn't know my husband yet, and um, I was in a very international community. So I was in an international church, I was, um, had, mostly English-speaking friends. Um, our church was in English. Um, yeah, I had a very international life. And so my culturally, a lot of things were still, you know, from, from Britain. When I met my now husband, Carlos, obviously we spent a lot more time together, more time with each other's families. And this is when really my culture started to, to shift more because, um, and when we moved to Valencia, we were in a totally Spanish environment. We go to a Spanish church. I have, I think maybe one English speaking friend in Valencia, everybody else Spanish speaking. So I think culturally I've had to adapt. Um, it's something we talked a lot. We did a marriage preparation course before we got married and we talked about this, the cultural differences, expectations, and it's so important. I think now when I talk to other people or younger women or men who are thinking about marrying someone from another culture, it's a big topic because it's very, very different. Everything from the way that you communicate with the person, how you deal with conflict, how you think about finances. I mean, everything is just so different um, compared to culture. So I think it's been a journey for me. It's not always been easy because you realize also, or you question how much of my identity is linked to my culture. And if you start to feel like you're losing some of your culture because you are adapting so much to another culture, then I think it can also bring about this sort of identity crisis <laughs> because you're not sure, okay, is this me? Is this my culture? Is this the new culture? So it's an interesting, an interesting question. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, about the, the culture, uh, when we, travel to another country one thing that's uh, really changes the is the food how is the, 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 the food in England and in, in this uh, when we travel to another uh, uh, really uh, important matter for us yeah priority um, well this is again an interesting question because as I say because my mother is from Sri Lanka I never ate typical typical British food in my house all the time the I grew up in a home um, where my my mother is a wonderful cook and my dad actually um, and sometimes we would have typical British things but 
it was very international cuisine. So, and in England, because we have so many influences, you know, from outside, we have so many nationalities. Um, in England, you find every type of food. So in my mind, England has a really good cuisine. And it's funny because here in Spain, people's idea of British food is really bad. They think, oh, when I went to England, the food was so bad. And because Spanish people are very proud, this is one of their top things. And so if a Spanish person lives in another country, they will always complain about the food because in Spain you have much less variety, but it's hard to eat really bad food in Spain. You can, you know, restaurants are very cheap. It, well, the cheap restaurants in Spain, you can always find good food. Whereas in England, the cheap restaurants will serve bad food. Um, so it's funny to me because my experience of food in England was always wonderful because I had different influences and I see that in England we have so many, you know, India, it's so popular. If a British, if you, it's hard to find a British person who does not like curry, for example. And that was one thing when I moved to Spain, I thought, where are all the Indian restaurants? Because for us, this is like British food, basically. Um, and so in Spain, you can only find these good Indian restaurants in places where there are lots of British people living, you know, like uh, when people retire and they move to Spain. And so you have these zones in Spain that are just full of English people. And this is where you find the Indian restaurants because you know for British people. But um, the food in Spain, there's also a, a different culture because so much time is spent. Again, like there's more focus, I think, on time at the table. People take much longer time to eat lunch in Spain than in England. So and you don't have the same problems. For example, I was always very confused. Even today, I'm still confused how in Spain they eat a lot of fried food. A lot of their tapas are fried things. But Spain does not have an obesity problem. People, you don't see obese people in Spain. And I always to think, how can this be? Because in England we have, I think this culture now and the knowledge and education about healthy eating, and this is a big topic. Um, you don't drink, you know, fizzy drinks, Coca-Cola, all of this thing. As a child, in my mind, it was like, this is bad. And here in Spain, a typical drink in a bar is Coca-Cola and the tapas is, is cooked in a lot of oil and but there's they're healthy you know you'd see these people that have so much life and energy and so the the food thing is 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 also really really interesting in spain because it's such a central part of their culture you know they spend a lot of time eating and eating and socializing come together you don't eat alone in spain whereas in england this is quite normal you're half 30 minutes to eat lunch at work you eat your sandwich running um uh, this is another thing eat i realized in spain it's very almost countercultural to not sit down at a table and eat properly. So my first year living in Spain, I used to often, I had to travel a long way to work in a school where I was working. And I often didn't have time. Well, I got up uh, with just enough time to get dressed, get on the train and go to work. So I would often eat my breakfast on the train. And I did not realize that this so many people used to look at me, stare at me, and I used to think, why is everybody looking? And then I realized, of course, nobody eats on the train in Spain. Nobody is drinking their coffee on a train. They go to a bar and they sit down and they drink their coffee and they enjoy their breakfast, but never running and, and eating at the same time. This in Spain is just not done. They take their time, which is a good thing. We can learn from this. <laughs> And uh, uh, in the, uh, uh, the, the there's a, a big difference in the weather in, in from British to to Spain. Uh, 
because we, we can as we see the movies and never go to England uh, country that's true what you can say about that first yeah the um, the sky in England probably for most of the year is like this white color <laughs> you don't there is sun but it's strange this it's not raining it's not sunny but there's just this cloud really nice weather in the summer british summer is wonderful because it's not too hot um and everything is green and springtime also if it's sunny is lovely um but it rains a lot and um i think i've now forgotten this because it's been so many years but My husband, for example, loves the rain because he grew up in Valencia where it's sunny all the time. <laughs> you, you get maybe one month of rain in April, um, but it's sunny all the time. And so every time he would come to England and it's rain, it was raining, he would say, oh, it is such a wonderful day. It's such a beautiful day. And we'd always say, no, we can't go out. You can't do anything. And he would want, he wants to go and walk in the rain because it's, it's something new. But for English people, this is why they love Spain because they want the sun always. And so when you have a sunny day in England, You see all the parks are full of people sunbathing and enjoying the sun. And in Spain, when the temperature is still not that warm, but the sun is shining, you know that the people on the beach in their bikinis are British people or Germans. <laughs> Because Spanish people will never go to the beach until June, until summertime. So this is very funny. The British people just follow the sun wherever they can find it. But yes, the weather is very different. I think the Danish phone. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he has a question, but I think he's got some I'll try to talk to him. And, uh, Amara, I said to, to, to our group that they can yeah, make questions for you. And uh, uh, Teacher Aline, uh, you're the co-host from this meeting. You have some questions to, to you can say to Tamara. Danny has a question. He's trying to, I think he's got connection problems. Danny, are you ready for your question? It's a beautiful day in Brazil. It is, yes. <laughs> yes. It's sunny and beautiful. Uh, so while he, while he gets ready, I have a question. Um, I've heard your uh, worship minister and I, I wanted to know how, how it started. Uh, when you were a kid, if you already played and sing at church, how did this journey started in your life and and when you were sure that was that's what god wanted you to do and how you feel about that um well i grew up in a musical family and my mother is a piano teacher and my grandmother was a, a concert pianist so i always had music around and studied music um, uh, studied piano and then I was a child and a teenager I was always singing in choirs or musical things always for performance I was a musician and you train perform um, I would sing in church like for the Christmas show or whatever you do but never true went to when I went to university Uh, I thought, okay, I, I should serve the Lord like with my gifts. So I went to a very big church and we had to audition for if we wanted to be on the worship team. This was my major. And so 
I went into the audition feeling very confident, like, of course, you know, I can do this. And I was, uh, my pride was brought right down because the type of skill you need a musician is not the same as a performance uh, musician. So they told me at the audition, oh, you have a very nice voice, you can sing, but they didn't let me play the piano because I had this classical training where, you know, you give me any music and I will read it and I can play, but you'd give me some chords and I did not know what to do. <laughs> so I didn't have this freedom to improvise. So then I felt like my confidence with music was down here. So when I moved to Madrid, and they discovered I was musical. They said, oh, you should play on the worship team. And I said, no, 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 I, I cannot play worship. <laughs> I already know this. I can sing, but I will not play worship. But thankfully, uh, the pastor there and some other people on the team were so encouraging. And they said, Tamara, come on, you know, just try. And there was a guitar player on the team. He was from Ireland, beautiful guitarist. And he was a big mentor for me because he had so much patience and just love and I learned a lot from him about how to play in this worship context and during that time um, at the church in Madrid I learned God spoke to me about this difference between what it is to worship and how I was not there to perform I had to really change he had to change this in me and that there was no wrong note you know because when you're trained classically you're judged on perfection it's like you have to play to perfection um, and then we as a church recorded um, an album they invited different people from the worship team to write songs and this was the first time I, I had really written songs in this way and again I felt like no Lord I can't do this and um, but again just the encouragement from the team um, I ended up putting you know two songs for that album and I think this was sort of the beginning but still I didn't feel like this was a calling for my life because I was still struggling with this performance and worship question and then um, a few years later I was in the car and I was listening to um, I love Bethel music all the worship music that comes from Bethel Church and I would always play that in the car and sing and suddenly I just felt this like still small voice you know from the Lord it was so clear it was just this one phrase and he said to me Tamara you have been singing other people's songs for so long it's now time to sing your own and I was like what <laughs> you know and I went home and I wrote this in my journal but but I didn't, I was not obedient to this. I, I wrote it and put it away and didn't think anymore. And then the next year we moved to Valencia and this first year or first couple of years in Valencia was a really tough time for me. Um, a lot of loneliness and depression and I was not in a good way. And uh, a pastor from Madrid said, Tamara, come to, for this like inner healing prayer session like we want to pray for you and every time I would sit at the piano to try to be creative or to write I just felt this block I was blocked I couldn't do anything nothing was flowing because I was trying to come back to this word that the Lord had given me and be obedient to try to write something for him and I couldn't and so I went to Madrid and they they prayed for me and in this session God just unblocked something in me and he dealt like finally with this performance issue um, and that I didn't have to present something perfect that he wasn't going to judge it and I came back to Valencia and I wrote I think 10 songs in one week and and this then I recorded this worship album which Annalise has heard and and this all came from this time in the desert you know I was emotionally broken completely but i felt like this this was my obedience to the lord and everybody was asking what what are you gonna do with this album and are you gonna you know marketing and all this and i always said no <laughs> like if god wants to do that fine but this is not the purpose this is my act of obedience to the lord this is what he's asked me to do and i think 
obviously I'm still a musician inside, you know, so I still have this desire for music to be excellent. And I think we, we should bring something of wanting to do, do something for the Lord in a good way, but it's not about my performance. It's about what he can, can bring through me. And so since that moment, I think my, my mindset changed with this thing of worship and, and I've learned that it has to start from my intimate time worshiping with him and then anything that happens in the ministry or at church um, or outside of my home will will be the overflow of that but it's like I have to cultivate that with him first and so that has really become like my primary desire now and the thing I enjoy most is to do this worship uh, in a much more intimate setting. Like I actually don't really enjoy the big, um, like loud worship, thousands of people thing, or not that it's ever been thousands of people, but worship at church for me is very difficult now because um, it's such an intimate space for me. And so I, and I have, and also here in Valencia, I realized that a struggle for me was to lead worship in another language because Unlike you, for me, worship is in my mother tongue. And so to lead people in worship in Spanish was very difficult because it felt almost like a performance. It felt fake because I I didn't feel like I was connecting really with the Lord. And so I was feeling like, how can I lead people, you know, when I'm not connecting? So I, have, I had to take some steps back in this area um, because, yeah, I feel like if I lead worship, it really needs to be a true connection first with him to be able to lead other people well um, so this is something I'm praying about that he gives me more freedom in worship ministry in Spanish because in English it's no problem but in Spanish it's still a challenge for me so that's basically the story <laughs> yeah, wow it's a great one I, I've already learned some things with your speech and some of my questions have just been answered uh, I feel like I'm living this moment of uh, changing, uh, shifting thoughts in my mind. And what I, I heard from the Holy Spirit was that, child, how can you listen to my voice when you're worshiping my name if you're just worried about the chords? Right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so let it go. Just listen to my voice. I can lead you. Mm. And like giving him this control has been uh, my fight. Doesn't have to be a fight, but um, in this process, this is what I'm living right now. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was wonderful. Of course, I'll hear this your speech again <laughs> and <laughs> and talk to God and thank Him for for your answer and for telling, sharing your experience because it was worth for me hearing to it. Danny, you have a question, right? Can you open your microphone? Are you ready? Go ahead, stage is yours. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Danny. Okay. Uh, good morning. Ah. Good, e oh, or better. good evening. Good evening. My See. name is Daniel. Hi. And I'm, I'm a Aline student. And on our book, in the teacher's book, first, uh, there's a video in the, in the PC. Teacher's PC. There's a video uh, says from Lily Group. When they ask to the people what they most like to to eat and drink, and if they more like uh, drink coffee or tea, so I wanna ask the same thing. What's your favorite food? Your favorite uh, drink? And what do you more like to drink, coffee or tea? Oh, those are great questions, Danny. Um, my favorite food is a very difficult question, you know, because it depends on my mood. Sometimes I really feel like 
a good salad and sometimes I feel like Mexican food and like tacos. I don't know if you have tacos in, in Mexico and uh, Brazil. Um, and sometimes, as I was saying before, in England, we love Indian food, which is spicy, curry. Um, and I'm, this is also one of my favorite foods. Um, do I love to drink? Well, I drink a lot of water. Mostly I drink water. I also enjoy a glass of wine, red wine sometimes, um, but you're too young for that. One day you'll, you might enjoy it too. Um, and uh, coffee or tea, I enjoy coffee in the mornings, but after that one cup of coffee, the rest of the day, I enjoy teas. And it can be English tea, we put a little, it's black tea, we put a little bit of milk in it, or herbal teas like a mint tea or ginger tea I love um, so it depends on the time of day but thank you that was a really great question <laughs> what's your what would, what would be your answer to those questions what's your favorite food and drink my my favorite food Oh, we can't hear your microphone. Your microphone, Danny. My favorite food is sushi. Oh. Uh, my favorite drink is. I like. I like water a lot, but I like. Uh, more I like. What's the name? Lemon juice. Uh huh. And. And if I like more coffee or tea. Tea, I drink tea sometimes. When the day is too cold, it's raining. And then the snack time, I drink some tea. But I don't like coffee. I don't blame you. I didn't like coffee or tea until I was 18 years old. So it's okay not to like tea or coffee. <laughs> <laughs> But I like the, the taste changed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Danny. That was great. Thank, Thank you, Danny. You speak really good English. Ten Dan. minutes. <laughs> you, must, you. Must you must have good I, I am dedicated. I am dedicated to dedicated to English. Ago, I don't know, four years old so much time speaking English, so I am very sparing. <laughs> but there's some words I I didn't understand. There's some things like before, teacher, before you, you, before I know, do, 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 uh, after this, no, after I know you, before it I just know do you, so I, I just be confused at times as I, at times I... You learned about this yeah. pronunciation, yeah, yeah. because I we, yeah, so, uh, we, in our book we, we have both, actually we have English from London, the United States, some characters are from other parts, and we were talking about pronunciation of do you and do. Do you like coffee and do you like coffee? And that was something that called his attention. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> Tamara, uh, one last question. We're getting close to, to, to one hour of interview. Uh, <laughs> About the church, uh, you you said about the, the the shift, the mind shift from England to 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 Spain. Uh, how is it different from uh, one church to another? Uh, I know that's that maybe the the, the, the culture from one country uh, affects the the culture of the mm -hmm. church. How, how is it different? You you, you 
you can say uh, can talk about this yeah um so in madrid as i said we were part of an international english-speaking church the pastors were um he was from england but grew up living in africa for many years and his wife was from holland so they had this very open view on ministry and um, just their perspective and i think this is one of the reasons why there was so much freedom in this church to try different things they were very encouraging if they saw somebody with a gift um you know like in my case music just try you know this there was room to try and fail or try and grow and um we had people from i think 27 different nationalities um different and it wasn't a big church maybe 120 people you know but lots of uh people who came on international business you know it was very um uh what's the word in english i can't think very fluid so there were people coming and going all the time um and there were people from so many different denominations so you had catholics with baptists with uh evangelicals with free with methodist and i think this also created an environment that was just very special um and there was because most people were not in their home country everybody had come from somewhere else it really formed this feeling of family we really were close everybody with each other everybody knew everybody um and there was this real feeling of family which for me at that point i see now that god used this place to heal my vision of church because honestly in england i never felt truly at home in any church i always felt a little bit like i don't know why just i wanted to i felt more at home outside <laughs> but in this international setting i felt very at home and so when we came to Valencia, we looked at a few churches um, and we decided on this one because, yeah, they they had a very, well, dynamic young speaker and the music was good and my husband is a musician and so he was also very drawn to that. But um, it's not been easy because, again, the cultural question is so different. So the pastor's family and a lot of people in leadership are from Valencia, born in Valencia, have lived in Valencia all their lives, have never left Valencia. They have a heart for for other places and for a mission, but there's never been this desire to live anywhere else. You know, you want to stay close to your family and um, and this, you start to see how this affects the culture within the church. So it was very difficult to really get to know people on a deep level in this church because people who were born here and raised here um, already had their circles of friends, family. They didn't need new people, really. Um, and this is such a big difference from an international church where everybody is a foreigner, nobody has a home. and so. In Madrid, we would be invited to somebody's house or we would invite somebody for lunch every Sunday. You had somewhere to go to fellowship and to spend time with people. And this is why we became like family. Here in this church, maybe I can count on one hand in five years the number of times that people have invited us. Because also so much of the social aspect because it's more spanish happens in a bar or in a restaurant or on the street like you don't typically invite people into your home in spanish culture in fact you can know someone for maybe 10 years be friends with them for a long time and never see inside their house because this is a very private thing it's all very much up, like the external and this culturally for me is very difficult because i love to be have people inside my home and i think as Christians, like it's part of hospitality, it's what we're called to do. Um, so I noticed that the culture, we have a lot of Latin Americans also at this church and you can see that they are much more open, of course, because they've come from their country and they're living somewhere else, this is not their country. Um, but I would say that the vision and mentality is still very Spanish. Um, we 
have, I don't know how much you know about the religious history in Spain, but um, we have this dictator called Franco until the 70s. Um, and Franco is associated with the Catholic Church. And so in Spain, you have a big rejection from many people. When they hear the word church, they think of the Catholic Church. But the evangelicals in this case want to be completely separate now from the Catholic Church. They don't want to be associated because it has this negative connotation. And so I really miss this um, diversity in different denominations because I actually think that God is doing a lot through the Catholic Church. And in fact, the revival in Spain, I've always believed, will happen through the Catholic Church, not the evangelicals, because if people have a church that they recognize, it's the Catholic Church, it's not the evangelical church. And so I think we need to be more open to what is happening in the Catholic Church and not see still this big division of, oh, this is the Catholic way, the Catholics do it like this, and we don't want to be considered like that you know we want to do things differently because we can learn from each other we have so much to learn from each other um so in this church there's a very big focus on service serving your community on discipleship um sort of discipling people but it's uh, there are a lot of young people a lot of youth a lot of kids um but again i think my desire is to see this is why I love to see what you're doing here because I think it's so important to be aware that there are other things that exist outside of what's familiar to us, you know, and to be open to being able to serve those who who don't, who have not grown up in this culture, who are not in their um, home environment, who don't have family nearby, you know, all these things need to be taken into consideration nowadays, especially because a lot of people don't live in their home country anymore or in their hometown especially so this is a big difference and so i i miss the international vibe in a church um and so i just try whenever i go back to madrid i would always visit this church just to uh fill my cup in this way and then come back to the the spanish but the mentality is is very different for sure Thank you, Tamara, for 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 this interview. I think that was was great. And uh, when you were talking just the, in the beginning, from the this, this end of this interview, I I think the the the, the question of mind shift is something that the, the the Holy Spirit is talking to you in your in your whole life mm. and to us too. We have this 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 challenge to mind our uh, to make this this change of mind in, in in relations to to the word of God. We don't have to be. Uh, I think we don't uh, be conformed in this in this with this world that we live in. Uh, uh, I don't have my Bible is in my phone that I'm using right now, but uh, uh, the the the. the, the the passage in Romans, chapter 12, verse mm. 2, mm. Is, is, is about that. that yeah. We have not, we, we have to turn, uh, change our mind to understand what God is doing. And this, uh, uh, when you talk about different cultures, different countries, that's a, a great change of mind. And uh, mm -hmm. God is changing your, your mind and, and, and our mind either. And that's that's mm -hmm. wonderful. And mm -hmm. I thank you for this this interview for your time. Uh, if you uh, want to give a, a final message to to to, uh, to to all Brazilians that are here, and we'll see see you after uh, we record uh, this this interview and, and show it in YouTube. You can. Freezing. Say your message, then I think you, uh, I'm going to to pray to. Sure. Um. So uh, this afternoon I was just taking a walk and I asked the Lord, "Is there anything you want me to share?" You know, with these wonderful people, and um, I felt like He gave me this verse from Proverbs, 
Um, so it's a very famous one. It's one of my favorites. And I'm going to try to read it in Portuguese, okay? <laughs> Please uh, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me. Okay. So it says, eh, Confie no señor de todo o corazón, now dependa de seu propio entendimiento. Busque a vontade dele em tudo que fizer, e ele le mostrará o caminho que deve seguir. So this is the verse. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Tamara. Very good Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it's such a blessing to, to be able to connect in this way. Uh, thank God for Zoom <laughs> that we've all learned how to use this year. Um, but I just think it's wonderful what you're doing um, with this ministry. It's so important and so needed. And so I just bless the work that God is doing in your church and um, with all these different, um, yeah, just ministries and caring for people and teaching and worship. And um, it's beautiful to think of the church as this patchwork, uh, you know, patchwork blanket, like all different materials and colors and every part is so important and um, it's just an honor to be able to also just see what God is doing in another part of the world and um, yeah we'll be praying for you your ministry and and for your church and it's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> Tamara, uh, I think uh, uh, it's so interesting because one of the the objective of this ministry. Uh, Fabio Ialini with Sandra, they are uh, building this ministry and I'm with them, of course, because I love this. And one of the things that I love to, to another language is because we act with different people. So it was very interesting. Fabio, thank you for your question. Because I think uh, Tamara had and has a, a big experience to um, like a church because you can speak the same language and don't have unity unity yeah and uh, but sometimes uh, it's not the, the language that can separ separate us we can separate by culture um, by age mm -hmm. by some kinds of difference because we are different, but it's Jesus said to us that the unity is the mark of the of the Christianity. Yeah. So try to speak another language. Try, to, of course, it's difficult, but we need to try. Yeah. And it's the same to another things. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes the people aren't prepared to to open your mind, your heart to things to different things so yeah. congratulations fabio for the for lead us in this process because i i i i love to to see my church and uh, trying to connect with other people in other parts of the country of the other countries mm -hmm. and uh, understand what God is doing in, in your church, international church in the world. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for your experience. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for accepting uh, our invitation. I'm so happy to see you and to stay with you and my friends. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> Anytime. It's a pleasure. <laughs> thank you again, Tamara. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, I, um, just to follow on from something Anna said, when Alina shared about when God sh showed her why she was learning another language, this is such an important thing because, and it made me think, yes, I always learned another language, but really in the moment, I probably did it for selfish reasons, you know, because if I can speak another language, then I can travel and I can do this. but. But you see that 
now you look back and realize, oh, God had me learn another language for his purposes as well. And this this is a really good thing I want to reflect on also. So thank you, Alina, for sharing for sharing that. Thank you, Tamara, for your time. Let's pray. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for this interview. I thank you for the life of Tamara. I, I ask you that you come with your blessings, with her in, in her life, bless her family, bless, bless her ministry. Keep talking to her. Open uh, her ears that she can that she can uh, listen to your voice uh, clearly, and keep keep uh, keep uh, keep talking to her in each each area of her life i ask you that you make her your her her face shine with your glory and you feel uh, and, I, and i ask you that you uh, open the 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 windows of the heaven and give her blessings to her family to her husband to her her church and keep using her to, to do your will i ask you in jesus name amen 